All right, good morning, Riverview. It's good to be with you today. My name's Tony, one of the pastors here. I also serve as the Westside Venue Director. Over the past couple of months, both of my sons, they're eight and five, have been playing youth basketball uh, here in our local community. And I've had the opportunity to, to coach my oldest son. And uh, the season's coming to an end. Uh, it's been a great experience so far. It's just been so fun to have that experience with my son Jude and meet some other kids and, and just parents in the community. But, but one thing that I've learned uh, over this season, and just kind of something I think I need to take into coaching youth sports all the time, especially at an early elementary age, is this understanding that you are going to coach and teach very specific aspects of the game, and none of those things are ever going to happen. Um, <laughs> there is going to be a large gap, uh, large, between what you say to your players and then those skills ever happening in a game. I mean, this happens all the time. Your players forget to dribble. Uh, they walk out of bounds, just kind of like forgetting they're on a court, right? They shoot from everywhere on the court, from out of bounds. Just hurl it over there, you know? And, and then you pull them aside, right? And you're like, hey, buddy, next time, just, just dribble when you walk. Just throw it down like that. You're like, got it, coach. You know, and you get like the thumbs up, the high five, the knuckles, all the things. And the next time, they're just still <laughs> holding it like a little baby, you know? Like, it's what they're doing. Um, but it's, it's just, you have to laugh, you know? Because it's just comical. Because they, they say, got it, and, and they don't got it, right? Um, and it happens every week we play games, every week at practice. And, but as a coach, what I'm left thinking in those moments is, is it's, like, it's like my players have ears, but they just don't hear what you're telling them. Or it's like they have eyes to like see what they should do, but then they just don't do it. Or, or they can't do it, or they won't do it, right? There's this lack of perception and understanding from the words that are told to them and the actual execution of those words. And while this phenomenon is, is very prominent among eight-year-old basketball players, um, it's not just unique to them. I mean, this is all of us, if we think about it. We all would like to believe that we have ears to listen and eyes to see the things that we should hear and, and see, but we, we often miss it. We often miss what's right in front of us. Maybe your boss at work reminds you of a deadline that you need to hit, and you leave that conversation thinking, got it, boss, right? Thumbs up, high five, knuckles, all the things. You're on the same page, but then the deadline hits, they come up to you like, where is it? And you're like, where's what? <laughs> you know, you don't know. You ask your little one to go clean their room. They're like, got it. They go in their room. You, you go in there 10 minutes later. It's a bigger disaster than it was. You call your spouse at work to remind them to stop at the grocery store for that one thing you need for dinner, and then they look confused when they arrive at home empty-handed, like, you asked me for something, right? Like, because they heard you, but they didn't really hear you. We're continuing through this sticky gospel series, uh, through the gospel of Mark, and in chapter 8, we're going to see Jesus ask a very convicting question to his disciples. Verse 17 and 18, Jesus asks them this. Don't you understand or comprehend? Do you have hardened hearts? Do you have eyes and not see? Do you have ears and not hear? 
So Jesus is asking this question to his disciples, those that he had called to follow him. And at this point of Jesus' ministry, the disciples had seen Jesus do some incredible things. They had heard him make some really profound and powerful statements, but they still struggled to see him for who he was, to understand why he had come to the world at all. And as I read passages like the one we're going to read today, as as I read through the Gospels, I can often think, how is this true of these disciples? How did they miss it so much? And I've realized that as I ask that question, it's usually in those moments that I see that, wow, I miss it a lot. That I, that we are more like the disciples than we care to admit. We often struggle to see who Jesus is. We fail to hear his words and believe them. We fail to see him. And I think what this reveals in us is a posture of our hearts that need to change. Even though the disciples were slow to see Jesus and to hear him, it didn't stop Jesus from being gracious and patient with them, showing them over and over again, bringing them along, this is who I am, and this is what I've come to do. We're going to see Jesus do that in the text today, but we see that Jesus continues to do that with us today. So if you have a Bible with you, you can go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 8. We're going to be jumping around Mark chapter 8 and actually a little bit of chapter 7. Uh, But as you're getting there, uh, I just want to give us a little bit of context of what's going on in the text. So at this particular point in Mark's gospel account, the, the disciples were with Jesus in a boat, and they were traveling to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and they were traveling back across right after Jesus had miraculously fed 4,000 people with, with one lunch, with just some bread and some fish. Now, this was the second time Jesus did this exact miracle in the Gospel of Mark. He did it in Mark chapter 6, and we see him do it in Mark chapter 7. And both times, the disciples asked him, how are, how are we going to feed this many people? And it makes sense that they asked the first time, right? Because they hadn't seen a miracle yet, this particular miracle of Jesus. But Jesus does it, and then the next chapter, he does it again, and they ask the same question, like, how is this going to happen? But as Jesus does it a second time, there's some religious leaders that find him. These are the Pharisees. We've seen them a couple of times. And then they begin to argue with Jesus. And the argument ends with these religious leaders saying, you need to give us a sign from heaven. And it said that they were doing this to test Jesus, apparently feeding thousands of people twice with virtually no food was not enough for these religious leaders. But we actually see this request do something to Jesus in his spirit. It says that it grieves him. He sighed deeply in his spirit, the text tells us. And he does this because it's these very leaders, the ones who should know what the word says, that he is the fulfillment of, of these prophecies about him, that they continue to miss it. So Jesus says, no, not going to give you a sign. And that's when he gets in the boat with his disciples to travel across to the Sea of Galilee. So that's where we're at, Mark chapter 8, verse 14. It says, the disciples had forgotten to take bread and had only one loaf with them in the boat. Then Jesus gave them strict orders. Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They, meaning the disciples, were discussing among themselves that they did not have any bread. Okay, so we're going to pick this apart a little bit. So as Jesus and the disciples are traveling, the guys realize, oh no, we only have one loaf of bread in the boat with us. They're faced with that significant problem that we deal with today. 
you're on a road trip in the middle of nowhere, and you realize there's only one bag of chips. Dilemma. Okay, this is what's going on with the disciples. A serious problem. They were in the middle of a lake, couldn't stop at a speedway for some more, for a Slurpee and all that stuff, right? Uh, But as they're coming to this realization, they're like, guys, we don't have enough food. Jesus speaks to them with this tone that doesn't seem to match what's going on. He's like, watch out. Beware. There's this air of like weightiness of of what Jesus is about to say. The disciples are thinking like, we don't have enough food, (laughs) right? But then Jesus tells them, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They were just coming out of this conversation with these religious leaders. So what is Jesus getting at here? Well, throughout the Old Testament scriptures, leaven or yeast, as, as we may know of it, that was a metaphor for sin, for evil, for, for unbelief. And we see this metaphor actualized in some aspects of the, of the law, of the Old Testament law that these Jewish guys would have been living by. The Jewish law forbade grain offerings that were made with leaven. No yeast was ever allowed to be burned on the altar uh, when they would give their sacrifices to God. And even the grain offering that was for the priests, they couldn't eat it if it had any leaven in it. Over and over again, we see that leaven was an object lesson for sin. So in this moment, Jesus is making a connection between what the disciples are thinking about, food, and he's connecting it to a spiritual reality that's before them. He's saying, guys, you have to watch out for the evil hearts and the unbelief of the religious leaders. Just how a little bit of leaven works its way through that entire loaf of bread. Unbelief and evil thoughts can permeate an entire person. So how do the disciples respond? Verse 16, they were discussing among themselves that they didn't have any bread. (laughs) This one sentence tells us they missed it. Instead of saying, okay, Jesus, we don't know what you mean. They're like, oh, okay, got it. Guys, we don't have any bread. (laughs) Like, I just wonder what the conversation was like. Like, wait, were the Pharisees supposed to give us bread? Oh, we shouldn't eat it, though, because their leaven's bad leaven? Is it bad? I don't don't get it. Like, but they hear what Jesus said. Like, we got it. But then right after, they reveal they're so far from the truth of what Jesus says. Jesus sees the connection not being made. (laughs) He's like, Okay, verse 17, he makes it for him. Look at what he says. Aware of this, aware that they're talking about snacks here, Jesus said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Okay, you're not getting it, guys. Don't you understand or comprehend? Do you have hardened hearts? Do you have eyes and not see? Do you have ears and not hear? And do you not remember? So in your life, have you ever heard someone say something to you that kind of transports you back to a memory of of something or someone else? Like maybe you hear someone say an expression that your grandma or your grandpa used to say. You're like, oh my gosh, my my grandpa used to say that. And then you're left thinking about your grandpa, right? And the the times where he would say that stuff. Well, these words of Jesus here, which may be new to us, those would not have been new to the disciples, Those three questions, or four questions Jesus asked, those had been asked of the Jewish people over and over again by God throughout their history. Don't you understand? Do you have hardened hearts? 
Do you have ears and not hear? Do you have eyes and not see? See, these questions were asked of the Jewish people because over and over again, they did not see God clearly. It happens all throughout the Old Testament. See, in our Bibles, we have a section of Scripture called the Prophets. This is right after the wisdom literature, and it's right before the New Testament. And this was a period of time when God spoke to his people through individuals that he selected. He would give a prophet a specific message, and he would tell them, hey, go tell this message to this specific group in this specific place. And we have these in our Bibles. And it's here that we see these words Jesus says to the disciples multiple times, over and over again. We see him first in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9. It says this, And God replied to Isaiah, Go, say to these people, Keep listening, but do not understand. Keep looking, but do not perceive. Make the minds of these people dull, deafen their ears, blind their eyes, otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their minds, turn back and be healed. This is God's message to Isaiah in chapter 6. And this chapter begins, it's a really famous passage from this, from this book, where it's really Isaiah's call by God to be a prophet. He sees this vision of the temple, and he sees the seraphim worshiping. It's this crazy thing. And then God asks, who, who can I send? And Isaiah's like, I'm here, send me. What, what do you want me to say? And then God tells him, this is the message. And the people are not going to listen to you. They're not going to see me. And they won't listen and they won't see me until a time when a significant hardship and discipline is coming for them. Or even desolation that we see in the next few verses. We see another time, Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 21. Hear this, you foolish and senseless people. They have eyes, but they don't see. They have ears, but they don't hear. This was about 100 years after that prophecy in Isaiah. And this was an assessment of the people of Judah and how their their lack of faith in God was just continuing. And then Ezekiel chapter 5, or I'm sorry, Ezekiel chapter 12, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me. This is Ezekiel saying, Son of man, you are living among a rebellious house. They They have eyes to see, but do not see, and ears to hear, but they do not hear, for they are a rebellious house. This was a prophecy that foretold of the exile of the Jewish people. Because of their rebelliousness. If you were here last summer when we were in the book of Daniel, this was the exile that they were in. Because of their disobedience and their hardened hearts. Over and over again through the prophets, God warned the people. You have eyes, but you can't see me. Or you don't see me. You have ears, but you don't hear. And at this moment in the boat, Jesus asks that same exact question. I wonder what the disciples would have thought. You have to think they would have remembered those words. Those questions probably brought to mind what they'd heard in the synagogue growing up, right? See, as I mentioned earlier, I think it's really easy for us to to just kind of think, how did the disciples miss it? We can think really negatively of them, right? They were physically with Jesus, They heard his teachings, his miracles. They experienced his grace daily. How were they so thick-headed? But as I think that, I'm reminded of how often I miss it. Even with God's word, 
available to me whenever I want. Multiple accounts of Jesus' life and his ministry, evidences of God all throughout work, uh, all throughout history, experiencing, experiencing the grace of, of living my life of faith with other believers in community, and I still miss it. I still struggle with sin, with doubt, with a lack of faith in the moments where I should be the most faithful. See, I'm like those disciples. Seeing Jesus, but kind of. Hearing Jesus, but, but not really. And if I'm honest, this happens for me in the situation like the one the disciples were in. In times of need. Crisis. Times where it's just hard to see past the thing that's in front of me. That day, the disciples were hungry. And you know what? It was probably their fault. But Jesus takes that moment, a moment of their folly and their ineptitude, to help them see him clearly. We need God's help to see him and to hear him, to give us eyes to see and to give us ears to hear. But our sin-hardened hearts are the reason this often doesn't happen. You know, something I love about Jesus that we've seen a lot in the Gospel of Mark that we're going to see just here in a minute is that he often didn't just communicate truth with his words. He authenticated, he, he communicated that truth with miracles, with action. See, as these words of Jesus here to the disciples in that boat that day, that warning to have ears to hear and eyes to see, those words are right in the middle of two miracles that Jesus does to demonstrate those very words. And the first one we see happened just days before. Mark chapter 7, starting in verse 31. Again, leaving the region of Tyre, he went by the way of Sidon to the Sea of Galilee through the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had difficulty speaking and begged Jesus to lay his hand on him. So he took him away from the crowd in private, after putting his fingers in the man's ears and spitting, he touched his tongue. Looking up to heaven, he sighed deeply and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. Immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak clearly. Okay, so just days before they're in the boat together, Jesus was traveling with his disciples, and there was a deaf man who had difficulty speaking, and he was brought to Jesus. And we see that this man desperately wanted to be healed. So Jesus takes him aside, and we see him do something unlike he's done in the Gospel of Mark so far. So far, we've seen Jesus cast out demons with his words, right? Heal sickness with the touch of his hand, have his power leave him from his clothing, raise a dead girl to life, feed thousands of people with very little food. But here, Jesus does something different. He puts his fingers in the man's ears. And then he spits, and then he touches the man's tongue. And as he does this, he, he, he proclaims, Ephatha, which means be open. And immediately the man's healed. So what's going on? Was this the only way Jesus could heal him? No. He could have just spoken only his words like he did before. He could have just used the touch of his hands. We don't know exactly why Jesus did it this way, but, but I think 
How Jesus did it that day displays his compassion and his mercy. Remember who this man was. He couldn't hear. He couldn't speak. So if Jesus spoke healing over this man, he wouldn't have heard him. So what does he do? He uses his touch to communicate with him. He touches his ears. He touches his tongue. And he opens both of them. Here we see the incredible compassion of Jesus. He's using sign language of communicating with this man in a way he would understand. Soon after this miracle, Jesus gets in the boat with his disciples and he's, he's warning them of the leaven of the Pharisees and he's asking, t- telling them, do you have ears and not hear and eyes and not see? But then right after those words, they finish their journey across the sea and we see the second miracle. This is, Matt, this is Mark 8, chapter 8, verse 22. It says, they came to Bethsaida. They brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and brought him out of the village, spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on him. He asked him, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking. Again, Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes. The man looked intently and his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Okay, similar to what had happened days before, another person in need is brought to Jesus. But this time, it's not someone who's deaf, it's someone who's blind. And we see Jesus do what he did before. He takes him by the hand and, and away from the crowd. But what Jesus does here, you'd think the last one was unusual. This one's even weirder. I mean, he spits on the man's eyes. That's gross, okay? Let's just be real. Like, that's just, that's just kind of gross. Um, he, then he laid his hands on him, and he asked him a question. Sticky gospel, right? Fitting, fitting title for this series. This is sticky and gross. Um, but Jesus knows what he's doing. After Jesus lays his hands on him, he asks, do you see anything? And it's really interesting. The man says, kind of. I see people, but they look like trees walking around. Now, this is really interesting because it tells us something about this man, right? This man probably wasn't born blind. He probably had a reference point of what trees were because he's like, oh, yeah, it looks, I can kind of see it looks like trees walking around. But, But he's not fully healed at this point. He can only partially see. Okay, so that leaves us with the question, like, what's up with Jesus then? Was he not able to fully heal this man in one try? Is he tired? Is he losing it? No, to all those questions. No, okay? Of course he could have. Jesus has already demonstrated over and over again his power and his authority over creation. Any way that he wants He can restore brokenness. So why this way? Again, Scripture doesn't tell us explicitly, but what had Jesus just before this asked his disciples in the boat? Do you have eyes and not see? Do you have ears and not hear? What I think Jesus is doing, again, this is my take, is that with this miracle, he is showing the disciples the state of their spiritual condition. They're not seeing him. They hear Jesus say things, but they don't get it. They see him do these miracles, and they can't get the spiritual reality that's accompanying the physical healing and restoration that they're seeing. 
After, the, after Jesus asks, can you see? The man says, kind of. You look like a bunch of trees walking around. He does the same thing again. Not more spit, thankfully. Uh, he, he touches him again, though. And then his sight is fully restored. The man can see clearly. Put yourself in the shoes of those disciples that day. Well, they're probably wrestling with those questions Jesus asked. Don't you get it? Do you have a hardened heart? Do you have eyes and not see? Do you have ears and not hear? As they're wrestling with that, they see Jesus demonstrate his power and his authority with a miracle, giving a man eyes that could see. Days after, he gave a man ears to hear. See, as I said earlier, I think we're more like the disciples than we we care to believe or choose to believe sometimes. We struggle to see Jesus clearly, to hear his words to us, to have our hearts be open to who he is and how he wants to change us. While Jesus often spoke against the Pharisees and the religious leaders in numerous ways, what he was always trying to get at was the state of their hearts. How their hearts were hardened against him and against others. This is what grieved Jesus more than anything. How sin has set the hearts of humanity against him. Against our creator. And this is what Jesus came to fix. It's what he came to do. All throughout Mark, what have we seen? Restoration. We've seen healing. We've seen things that were broken get put back together. All of this was leading up to the time where Jesus would do that with finality. Where he would deal with sin. Where he would mend the fractured relationship humanity had with God by paying the price for us. Jesus did this through the cross. He did it by living his life in perfect obedience to his heavenly father, by by taking all of our sin onto himself. The very thoughts and attitudes and actions that come from our sin-hardened hearts and separate us from God. That is the sin Jesus died for. And days later, he rose from the dead, showing that he was the Messiah, the one God had sent to be our suffering servant king. So what about you? Do you see Jesus? Do you have eyes to see him? Do you have ears to hear him? Maybe you're here this morning and you've never seen Jesus clearly before. Or maybe you've never heard him speak through his word before. Choose to follow him today. To soften your heart, to turn to him in faith. Acknowledge your, your need for forgiveness of sin and accept it. Take it. Jesus offers that to you by his life and his death and his resurrection. You know, maybe you are here today and you do believe. You have eyes to see. 
and you have ears to hear. You've put your faith in Christ. You, you, you know him. Don't push aside that, that question Jesus asked that day. Do you have a hardened heart? See, as followers of Jesus, we're not immune to our hearts growing dull or even hardened against God and his work in us. I mean, this happens in our lives of faith. We walk through hardship or or crisis or adversity or just besetting sin, sin we just can't seem to kick. Now, maybe you're here today and that's where you're at and you don't even know why your heart is hard. It just is. Maybe it's apathy or indifference that you're fighting. Choose to contend. To engage. Fight for your faith today. Open your eyes to Jesus again. Open your ears to him again. See, well, we can be thankful for the eternal security that we have in Christ, that because God saves us, that that he'll keep us. We need to continue to see Jesus as Lord. That it's him that we worship. It's not ourselves. That his word has power and priority in our lives, not the words we hear in the world around us. How's the state of your heart today? Right after Jesus heals this man, he's walking on the road with his disciples. And he asks them a question. He's like, guys, who who do people say that I am? The disciples start listing off some answers. Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Some say you're just one of the prophets. And then Jesus says, okay, but how about you? Who do you say that I am? Peter One of the disciples answers him, you are the Christ. We're at a turning point in the gospel of Mark. From this point forward, Jesus is going to begin talking explicitly about suffering. Suffering he's going to endure and the lengths he's going to go to restore our fractured relationship with God. And even with this admission that Peter says, you are the Christ, We're going to see him and the rest of the disciples still struggle to believe that. To have eyes to see, ears to hear. But Jesus is faithful. We're going to see him continue to walk with his disciples, teach them and show them who he is. To help their ears be opened, their eyes be opened to who he is and what he's come to do. He does this for us today. Open your eyes to see him. Open your ears to hear. Choose to surrender your heart to Jesus for the first time or for the hundredth time and follow him today. Let's pray. God, as I read the gospel of Mark and I feel like I can often be really prideful when I look at the disciples and how they often missed your words, what you were showing them. But God, I often miss you.
day to day, I forget who you are. I forget the power of your word that you've created a way for us to to know you and be forgiven through a savior. And God, I just pray, I just ask today, give me fresh eyes to see you, fresh ears to hear your word. God, I pray that for us as a church family. I thank you just for the posture of Jesus here. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He shares the truth with his disciples in love. Open your eyes to see me. God, I thank you that you've given us a way to see you with your word. Such a gift to have your written word to us today. Help us treasure that. Help us spend time in that to see you and to hear you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.